This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 785, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy and enter promo code iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners, just like you, were washing their hands, wearing their masks, where appropriate. It's it's less stringent now. Just be cool. I know you won't believe these things I tell you. No, you won't believe. Your heart has been forewarned, all men will lie to you. Your mind cannot conceive. Now all depends on what I say to you. And all your doubting me. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 785. I am Josh Flanagan. Please help. And this is my <laughs> co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. <laughs> Oh, boy. I'm Captain. We are iFanboy, and every week we read our stack of comics at gunpoint. And one of us picks the one they like best, and we call that the pick of the week. Please. We talk about that book. We talk about other books. We talk about the patron pick. We answer some listener mail if we have time. All right. Okay. I'm doing it. Sorry. Nothing's going on. I'm so happy. There's a little private joke in the script for just us that Josh has left. Listen, the the point is that we have fun, and this is not coerced at all. No. It's no. not. We are not doing this against our will. 
This is this is purely blink twice, Josh, if you're in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> but it's audio. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I've been blinking for 15 years. <laughs> Here's your spoiler warning. <laughs> there will be some Connor. You at the pick? I did. It was an interesting week. It wasn't a light week. It wasn't a heavy week. It wasn't like a great week. It wasn't a bad week. It was. There was a lot of interesting things that, that happened in books this week. And ultimately, I had a really good time reading it and looking forward to talking about it because there was a lot to talk about. But for me, far in the way, the pick, not even close. It was the last book I read. It was Fantastic Four 33, written by Dan Slott, art drawn by R.B. Silva and Luca Maresca, Jesus of Bertoff on Colors, and Joey Donuts, Caramagna on Letters. No, no. You said it was the last book you read, and I know that you tend to read. You, you normally read in in terms of uh, anticipation. Yeah, coming last. So mm-hmm. this was the book that you were also most excited about. Obviously, things are changed now. I read. Oh yeah, that's true. DC on Tuesday usually, and then Marvel on Wednesday, and then indie books depends on when things come out. In terms of Marvel books, this is my most anticipated Marvel book, so it ended up being the Fair. last book I read. <laughs> I mean, we talk about this all the time. We love Fantastic Four. This is part two of the Bride of Doom in which Doom is marrying his right-hand woman, Victorious, his sort of commander of the armed forces. And in the last issue, uh, she and Johnny slept together, which blew up his relationship with that stupid alien, Sway, what is her name? Doesn't matter. That's been the worst. Sky? I thought it was Sky. Sky. That's been the worst storyline of this this whole run. And I don't it, hate it because there's there's this weird personal drama, and also he screwed it up in a way. Oh no, this part fantastic. I like. I'm just saying the the introduction of her was the worst storyline that we have we've had in Fantastic Four for me yeah. anyway. And yep. so beyond terrific art from Arby Silva and Luca Maresca, I thought this was this was structured like a farcical wedding comedy, mm-hmm. and it just kept building and building and building until the moment where Namor laughs his head off that, during the ceremony and. That is the best page <laughs> by far that I saw this week. And the way, uh, just, just, I guess this is where your spoiler part yeah. is that they're about to do, you know, she stopped the wedding and she says, I have been intimate with Johnny Storm. And then as you cut, and basically Namor had always said, I'm just here for the show. <laughs> and so you cut to the next page and at the top, there's a four panel structure. The first one is victorious. And she, you know, she's ashamed. And yeah. then the officiator is shocked. Who's already terrified that he's going to be killed for some And Black slight. Panther's eyes go wide. And then Namor has the largest head tilted back, open mouth laugh. But the ha ha ha, you know, Joey Donuts really <laughs> showing it here. Great job, yeah. You know, goes across all of those panels. And so we see the laughter, you know, before we see who is laughing. And it is... It, it, I mean, that is that four panels is magnificent. And it's punctuated at the bottom with a Fantastic Four by Reed slapping Johnny in the back of the head. That's awesome. From far away. Now, that was the peak, the apex. But yes. getting to that point, there's a lot of interesting things that go on, go on here. So, you know, Doom is preparing for his big state wedding. The Fantastic Four have been invited. They're not sure they want to go. Sue is the most against going. I thought that was kind of odd at first. I like it, Just, though, because you would I think it would be somebody else. And she's like, this is crazy. And yeah. Reed says, basically, if we go, you know, the Latvian wedding tradition, which you can you can make up for anything. There's a deus ex machina, but great. <laughs> is that Doom has to forgive all your past transgressions. So he's like, we can wipe this slate clean. All these years of conflict can be gone. And so that's the impetus for them to go. Can't tell if that's better than the Sicilian wedding tradition. <laughs> so... They go in the Fantastic Car. Doom greets them with two tigers. One of the tigers is from a, is from Fantastic Four number five, nineteen sixty two, which is terrific. And then you know Johnny has slept with Doom's fiance, and he might have feelings for her, so he tries to go see her. And that's a disaster. And she might have feelings for him. Yes, that was absolutely. the other thing that was interesting. Yes, and so he tries to go see her. He gets stopped by Doombots that she's controlling with this ridiculous helmet, like. <laughs> This is the book where you can really go ridiculous yeah. and it doesn't hurt it at all. It doesn't You can seem go silly. science ridiculous. Yeah. You can go melodramatic. Doom meets them with two tigers. <laughs> like, and it's it all is... makes sense. So yep. they end up having a conversation. And then it was a really great moment, I thought, where they deliver the rings. Because Reed is the best man. And we're going to get to that, that in a second. Uh, they deliver the rings to Reed for him to hold. And Sue's like, should we bug them? This is a great opportunity. And Reed says, no, we have to go into this in the spirit in which we've been invited. 
and it turns out Doom has already bugged the rings to watch them. And so he sees that Reed is being honorable, so he decides he's going to be honorable. So he goes to his secret room of scientists and says, terminate all the projects and destroy the Fantastic Four. And they're like, what? There are a lot of projects. <laughs> Even the Armageddon? No, 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 not that one. And then we cut to the next day where there's the Latvian state media is narrating the uh, events, and that's when Black Panther and Namor show up, and Namor says, basically, I'm just here for the inevitable <laughs> destruction. And it just, it keeps leading little moments. And then I thought, you know, we get to the ceremony, and I thought it was really sad. Yes. Doom has no friends. Reed is the best man, Johnny is a groomsman, and Sue is a bridesmaid. There's mm-hmm. no one else there. And so that's always been the thing with him, is that his mortal enemies are also his best friends. You know, he's, he's yeah. Valeria's uncle figure. And he, he has no control over his temper slash ego. ego. Yeah. And you because, think... because really, theoretically, didn't she... The wedding thing, the, all that stuff didn't happen until after she had had, like... She had basically used Johnny, like, I need, I need someone, you will do. Yes. You know, and so there wasn't really treachery in that way. I mean, right. obviously, like, his ego wouldn't allow no, it, no, he, it wasn't he, the same. After they had sex, that's when he called her and said, hey, let's get right. married. And when Johnny's under, yeah. the, under the bed. Or he came over and said, let's get married. Did you notice that Johnny has, it, during the ceremony, he has that soul band ring on his arm on the outside of his tuxedo jacket? Which is a fashion no-no. Faux pas. Par excellence, yeah. That's, that's Put it terrible. under the jacket, at least. Yeah, I didn't know that you could remove it so easily and then resize it to fit the outside. It's going to ruin the line of that jacket. Ben is walking the bride down the aisle because the father's rotting in an unmarked grave somewhere. And she's pleased with it. I just thought it was really sad. Yep. No Red Skull, no Magneto. It's just, it's the Fantastic Four. This is wedding party. Was Namor ever in the Fantastic Four? As a member? I don't, I don't. I mean, I've Black, never read... Panther, Black Panther was because that's from whence came Black, Bad Roommate Black Panther from long ago. Long time listeners may remember. So it was X-Men. No. He was Storm's husband and hanging out with oh you're right but he wasn't the he wasn't the fantastic four at some point all i know is when i was a kid she hulk was there and then briefly it was wolverine and spider-man and there was the lady the lady lady thing oh yeah and then um crystal was briefly in the fantastic four i don't think black Uh panther ever was though well we talk and then i'm gonna look at that you you say more of course the ceremony happens as we said she starts to feel guilty and she stops the ceremony and it's not to proclaim her love for Johnny, it's to say, if we're going to do this, I don't want any secrets, and, and I need to tell you that I, I slept with Johnny Storm, and that's when the mayhem ensues, as as we expected it to happen. And then you know, it literally ends a cliffhanger where all the Doombots are charging in to fight the Fantastic Four, and that, Black Panther, and more. That, that last page is like classic Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the heroes are surrounded in the foreground. Doom is standing above them. All the robots are closing in, and then Victorious is like huddled sadly in the back. It was it was like real good. It's like a Renaissance painting. Yes, it is. And Johnny's more concerned with Zora than he is with their safety. And this issue from a construction story standpoint was just terrific. I thought it was just it was just perfect little play that happened in this one issue. And just the hubris of these people's failings. Mm You know, we were talking about our next book explode, the Stan Lee book, but there's a bit in it where the you know the Fantastic Four started, and I knew this, but I just I had just had it elucidated to me again is that like they weren't great, they were jerks, yeah, you know, yeah. and they they couldn't get along, and they hadn't figured out the model of superhero yet, yeah, and it's kind of great, mm-hmm. and I like that that's here, and and you know like in the last couple of years we've had good Fantastic Four books for the first time in a while. And a lot of that has been predicated on the fact that like they make shitty choices. It's not just Reed who makes shitty choices. Right. It's all of them in their own different ways. There was that great single issue by Christopher Cantwell where, you know, he, like he ruins their vacation mm-hmm. and, you know, Johnny is screwing up. There's even a little bit where she says where Sue says, hey, well, you know, let's bug the ring. But I thought, oh, yeah, she's like a super spy. Right. You know, at the same time. So like that's that coming in. And I don't mind it because it works. I thought this was great. I really yes. did. And you could read this and not having read any other issues of it. It's like uh, we talked we talked about this when we were kids, you would just get some comics yeah. for what it, like comics would just show up sometimes. Right. And you'd read them because and you hadn't read the ones before, you'd just go, oh, "Okay." And you'd put them in the best order you could and you were probably missing an issue here or there. Yeah. And you just read them. That you're right. That is what this is like. 
it gives you enough of the backstory between Johnny and Victorious. Like you get all the information you need to have the the big climax. This makes sense. It was like the days you could tune into a network drama, mm-hmm. and even if there was an ongoing storyline, you could watch an episode of it. Sure. Yeah. But with a cliffhanger. There's always a cliffhanger. That's the, I guess that's the difference. It wasn't even a, a question. Like There were other books I really liked really? this week, and there was a book I had in mind for pick of the week up until I read this, and then I read this shit, and I was like, yep, that's it. It was just by the time that's you cool. got to the end of that issue, just, I was just like, that was a, I'm not going to say it was a perfect comic, but it was an incredible comic experience from an enjoyment standpoint, from an appreciation of the craft standpoint. Yeah. It was like a good piece of pie at a diner. Right. Exactly. The burger was great, but the pie made the meal. Yeah. Would you like to know some of the members of the Fantastic Four? Sure. Okay. Crystal, you called that one. Yep. Medusa. Right. Luke Cage mm. in issue 168. Nova, not Rich Ryder, but the Herald of Galactus Nova, who was like uh-huh. a like female Johnny Storm. Yeah. She-Hulk. Yes. Ms. Marvel, Carol Danvers. Actually, no, no. Sharon Ventura, not Carol Danvers. Oh. Ant-Man at one point. Hmm. Looks like a burn era. Namorita. Oh, yes, Namorita. And yes, Black Panther and Storm. I still think that that is from, it's during the Civil War event. They were in the Fantastic oh. Four. I, I, I still think that this is from the Fantastic Four. Maybe. That could be, you could be right. You could be Valeria right. Valeria and Franklin. Somebody named Flux. One, one month, okay. He's a capacitor. Doom when he had the white outfit. Mm-hmm. Miss Thing. Oh, Miss Which, Thing, Yes. Yes. She had no power, but she was given one of Ben Grimm's thing suits, which he had previously used when he was depowered. Yeah, yeah, it's a yes. future foundation. Yeah, there you go. So it was Black Panther and Storm. Cool. All right. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number one, big release this week. This is Tom King's latest book. Bill Quee Evely is the artist. Matthias Lopez or Lopez. <laughs> Bill Quee, I'm not going to draw this anymore. And Clayton Cowles. It's interesting because Tom King seems to have two different things he does. He, he seems to have the prestige 12-issue, like, reinvention deep dive, and then he has, like, the shorter thing, like Superman Up in the Sky, which is not so much about that. It's, it's more of a, just an adventure story that tells a lot about the character, but I wouldn't put Superman Up in the Sky as the same kind of story as, like, a Mr. Miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, this is the shorter, this is eight issues instead of 12. And it it seems like it's more of the latter, but obviously we don't know yet. We're only one issue in. But I was very excited for this. I think Bill Quee is terrific. She did a couple issues of Detective Comics. She did... Is it a she? Yes. Huh. She did a couple issues of Detective Comics. She did a couple of uh, the Vertigo Dreaming books. She did a Batman Black and White story. I think she's a terrific artist. Very European style. Yeah. And you and I discussed this briefly before the show. Not what we were expecting. We finished this. First of all, I, I saw, I was like, oh, a Supergirl book. It's number one. Let me look. And I was like, Tom King. And I vaguely remember they had announced a while ago. And I, you know, I said, oh, okay. I was probably going to read it anyway just because it was a number one. And, mm-hmm. and then I got started and I, we were, I was a good ways into this. And I was like, what the hell is this? Because <laughs> it's sword and sorcery. It's Conan. Well, it is sword and sorcery. However, it's also like textbook Western true like yeah you're right house on the homestead the dad gets killed the daughter goes into town to hire the meanest gun to ki- get yeah revenge. I know at one point i, I you're right because at one point i go oh this is true grit it's true grit and then, he, and then that doesn't work out so that she hires the drunk in the bar the drunk at the bar happens to be supergirl she's rooster cogburn supergirl is there because it's the 21st birthday so she found a planet with the red sun so she could get drunk and so she's the drunk at the bar. Connor, do you respect that move? I respect it. Seems dangerous. No, none of that. Seems, seems reckless. <laughs> and she's alone. Like, oh, she's she's depressed. <laughs> yeah. And then they go off, you know, together, the two women, to get revenge uh, for the killing of the father. And Supergirl's like, I'm not going to kill him, but I'll help you, you know, bring justice. And then that gets questioned. And there's a big fight. I, I mean, this seems to be like it's a Western wrapped in fantasy cloth that's a superhero story yeah 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 it it was a lot i think once i sussed out what was going on like where i was standing Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed it yes and it wasn't because it wasn't that maxi series thing i didn't get to the end of it with a like i don't know what the fuck this is i guess (laughs) i'll find out in a year right you know i didn't have that It, it was it was pretty straightforward you know Let's do this. Okay. And then things go wrong. And then cliffhanger. It was, you know, pretty classically 
one issue of a comic book. Good first issue. Yeah, and because it's a red sun, there's some real danger. You know, at the end, yeah. of, this, at the, at the end of this issue, well, you know, Supergirl's got several arrows in her, and so does Crypto, by the way, which I assume was traumatic for many people. That is an interesting question because she can't be completely depowered because the arrows did not seem to affect her as much as it would anyone else. Right. That's the one thing I thought. I was like, is there is it an orangish sun? Maybe she's just real tough. I guess. No one's that tough. Right in the heart. The first one. Yeah, no, there's there's three arrows. One of them's like in her abdomen. And I know that hurts. Right. <laughs> like the others don't. Well, I thought, okay, they'll just, they'll just put her in the ship and they'll fly out, out of the... Yeah. Nope, nope, the ship gets stolen. Yeah, so, I thought that's the same thought. Maybe there's something in the ship. Maybe. Mm. So it was it was unexpected. I liked it. I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah. I was like, oh, that, that was more interesting than I was expecting. I, I actually didn't know what I was expecting. I just wasn't expecting this. That's fun. You I know, that's fun. it's interesting because Tom King was doing his weird miniseries off to the side that were very good and thoughtful. And then they put him on Batman. Mm-hmm. And so that's usually the point where someone goes mainstream, mm-hmm. you know, and does the thing. And he did it for a long time. And the more regular comic that he tried to make it, the worse it was. Yeah. And the more that he was allowed to, like, do Dude. his thing, yeah. the better it was, but ultimately led to it not finishing. Right. And then being moved over to this other book that is very slow coming turns out. Turns out that's not what most people want from Batman, which, like, which right. I understand. Right. And so then he's like, all right, I'm going to make a career doing these maxi series with my, you know, very capable partners and we are a team and that's great, you know, and, and those books sell forever in trade form and it's a good, it's a good career. And this is the first time I think in a while that, you know, I was just do some, some comics and it sort of lives in between those two phases. It's just interesting if I think about it in terms of building a career in yep. comics and there's more than one way to go, but way i was gonna say too often but very often the person will tamp down their more artistic impulses when they get to the mainstream books that they're on and can make a living mm-hmm. there's plenty of people like that and they do it okay but eventually they can't remenders you know like the, the worst stuff he ever did right. was the straightforward like and i'm not saying it was bad but like, you know, you're on this book, you have to write Secret Avengers or whatever. And he's like, all right, all right. you know, and, and Tom seems to have understood or somebody else didn't help them understood, you know, like, let's do these things. This, and, and it's working for him, which I'm glad. When I first recognized the fact this wasn't going to be one of his prestige books was, I don't believe there's a nine panel grid in sight in this comic. Yeah, you're right. Because he's fallen into that for his prestige books. Not in a bad way. That's just the way he's been telling them. And here, this is very classically mm-hmm. laid out. Big action panels, splash pages, which are almost dead in the modern comic. You know, eight, nine panel pages. It's a very yeah. different oh, kind of... Like, if you take Tom King's name off of it, I think a lot of people wouldn't know this was Tom King. Yeah, you're right. It was really good and enjoyable, but yeah. it wasn't, like, amazing. It was good. It was real good. I mean, there's... And I think that's how we felt about Superman Up in the Air, originally. Yeah. In yeah, the yeah, beginning, yeah. it was like, that was good. And then by the end, we were like, that was amazing, which is sort of how Tom well, That King was also goes. almost an anthology format, but with a through line. Yeah. Which is interesting. So I'm looking forward to the rest of this. Me too. And I think Bill Quee is incredible. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. The coloring is also really great by, I guess, Mateus Lopez. Perfect coloring. So the Flash 71, I think, was Pickleick for a while. Jeremy Adams with a whole bunch of artists. As, you know, Wally continues bouncing around the Speed Force, entering the bodies of other speedsters. In this issue, he starts off in the body of the reverse Flash, and they realize that he is not just bouncing around time, but bouncing around the multiverse, so he's in the reverse Flash's body, basically inside the Super Friends cartoon. And that part's drawn by Kevin McGuire. And I realize in this issue that basically they're doing Quantum Leap, and I, I feel like an idiot for not realizing it, because at one point they have their little team back at, in the present, and they're like, he may never come home, he's stuck in the Speed Force, he'll just keep bouncing around forever. And I was like, oh, it's, it's exactly Quantum Leap. That is classic comic book, you know, is to take a thing that exists and put their stuff into it. It's also classic Simpsons. Yeah, um, so. It's funny because you don't hear that in a comic book term and say, oh, that, that's lame. You go, oh, that's how you're supposed to do it because that's how, <laughs> that's how Jack did it. Exactly. So the part in the Super Friends was really funny because I guess when he jumped into Reverse Flash, it was when they were considering him for membership in Legion of Doom. 
and somehow they captured Superman and the lightning bolt that happened when he jumped into the body ends up frying Superman. And they think, well, he just killed Superman, so we got to let him in. But Lex Luthor's really pissed for various reasons and doesn't want to let him in. So there's that part, just a whole argument about whether or not to let him into the Legion. And then he ends up jumping around a bunch of people very quickly. And that's why you have all these artists. You have like a bunch of one-pagers. So like Scott Collins doing Max Mercury and Brian Hitch doing the Justice Society of America again and Dan Panosian doing uh, the, some version of The Flash. It's either Barry or Wally early on. And so you you get this sense of him just continually bouncing around and not knowing what's going on and being very disoriented until finally he ends up in the future in his own body. He's having lunch with his daughter who's all grown up and so he gets to freak out. She knows what's going on because it's the future. So he gets to finally come clean about where he is and they have a very emotional conversation and the only thing that really held us back was the final jump. He jumped into his own body in Heroes in Crisis. And I was like, oh, just let it go. We've all kind of agreed that was a mistake, but now we're back. I've really enjoyed this story. It's been a fun overview of the Flash world and Flash characters. Is it a good companion or, I guess, next step to the sort of very classic Josh Williamson run? I guess. I mean, I think the indications are that this is setting up Wally is to return as the main Flash. So in this sense, we're sort of getting an overview of his life and friends and things. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say anymore about what's happening with these sequels. What would you like to happen? Like, would you like Wally to be the Flash? I mean, I'm a, I'm a Barry guy at heart. But yeah. I also read Wally for like, you know, 15 years. I, I like yeah, Wally yeah. as the Flash. Given my choices, I'd have Barry, but... What do you do with Barry? Like, I don't... What I, what I don't like, and I never really have, is that there's two Flashes. Yes, you know, and they're both named Flash, but they have different, and one is always subordinate. Like, I think it works best if there is one Flash around. Even if Barry's not dead, but he's like, I'm not Flashing anymore. Well, there was the one special, you know, at the turn of the year with the non-Infinite Frontier stuff or whatever it was called, where Barry was being set up as some sort of multiverse Flash. Like, you're going you're, you're to be in this multiverse commission and you're going to make sure the, right. multi, the multiverse is healthy. And then Wally was going to be the one on Earth, you know, being the everyday superhero. I don't know if that's still a thing. Like I said, it's hard to know what DC is doing one minute to the next. I bet there are people who work there who think the same thing. Right. When this storyline started, it started with Wally retiring, saying, I'm not being Flash anymore. Let's use this experiment to take away my powers. And instead of taking away his powers, it shot him into the Speed Force and did this to him. So my assumption is this ends with him as the Flash, but I don't know what that means for Barry. Mm. It's still buried in other books. It's still buried in, in Justice League. It's still buried in like team books and other events. I just don't know what, again, what hell DC is doing. Well, I guess we'll see. Did you read Jupiter's Legacy Requiem? I did not know it was a thing. I saw you put it on the list last night, and I thought I should read it. And I went to go get the issue, and I saw it was like six bucks, and I went, I kind of don't care. It's like fifty something pages and six dollars. Yeah, it was also about eleven thirty at night. But my real thing was like. I don't really care. And I wasn't very excited about Tommy Lee Edwards. And I thought, well, you'll tell me if it's any good. Well, well you know, the interesting else. thing is that we loved the first two miniseries. Like, loved them. Yes. Loved them. The first one drawn by Frank Quitely. And it was about, you know, from Mark Miller's, you know, take on, on superheroes. And then the, the, they did the flashback miniseries that was, was it Wilfredo Torres that drew it? Yep, Wilfredo Torres. Uh, that was all about, like, the 50s and, and Hollywood. And, and it was terrific. Those two books. I don't remember it ending particularly, or at least in a memorable way. I, I think I just thought I enjoyed that then. At the time, they were always heading toward the third and final miniseries, which I guess this is. But you saying I don't remember is very important here because I don't remember <laughs> what happened. And they don't really do any work here to help you remember. And I was concerned about that. There was another book like that this week to you keep talking and I will. I so this issue what. takes place in the future. Mm-hmm. The characters that were in the original miniseries have had kids, and they're like, so like, I was really confused for a long mm-hmm. period of time. Did it come together for you, though? It was okay. I certainly didn't love it as much as it was. I don't know if it's because I don't remember or not. And then mm-hmm. the other thing is, I like Tom Lee Edwards, but he, I don't know. I assume he has gone digital, and mm-hmm. to switch to digital, and I could be totally wrong here. I might be totally I'm just assuming here, just from looking at the art. The switch to digital hasn't helped people of his style. Like Raphael Albuquerque. Yeah, he's, yeah. They were very hard edged. All the inks on the page, you can see the rough lines. And digital sort of smoothed their art out and to me has made it less vital. And so it's gotten kind of dull. 
Like, I don't even like Raphael Albuquerque anymore. I used to be one of my favorite artists. And right. here, I was like, oh, I like Tommy Edwards. Just very shadow heavy, very Jean Paul Leon like. A lot, yeah, no, that's what I think of. Is he did right. uh, one of the Earth X? Yeah. Did he follow Jean Paul Leon? That's all gone. And then he's coloring himself, and I don't think the colors are doing any favor. The thing that is worth mentioning is that there is some Jean Paul Leon art in here, and he obviously mm. recently passed away. And so he did some flashback pages. And so. It was fine. I liked reading it, but at the end of the day, it, it lost a lot of its power because characters showed up, and I was like, "Wait, who is that one again? How does he relate?" Like, it just and, was, it's just was. It's been so long. It's been so long since those books came out. Um, now, also should be mentioned that this book was meant to coast off of the Jupiter's Legacy TV series on Netflix, which was recently canceled very quickly and unceremoniously. This book should have come out like a month ago. Like when the show launched, especially for streaming, you know, shows don't really stick around. But it's just bad optics to come out when the show is canceled, especially when the essay in the back is Mark Miller crowing about Jupiter's Legacy being the number one show in the world on Netflix right now. And I was like, oof. Did you see any of his show? No, I didn't watch it. It looked bad. I didn't even get that far. I just, I heard nothing but like. No, I didn't watch it. I I just like, no, this doesn't look good. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even get that far. I just heard enough people say that that I was like, oh, right. And then, and then I thought, okay, well, if I hear this is terrific, I'll obviously watch it. But then everyone was like, yeah, this is not good. Yeah. Do you think that that colored? No, it didn't color spirit? my opinion of it at all. Just, I, I, I really just couldn't remember what the hell had happened and who everybody was. I think it colored my anticipation for a thing. If this had nothing to do with around the time that, that a show was coming out that apparently was a bad adaptation of something that had been very good, I think that would make me less excited for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, didn't, it didn't bother me. It just I was just like, I was like, oh, now we're time jumping, and who is this person, and who's that mom? And like, I just like, I was like, I don't remember anything about, you know, give me a catch up here, like a one pager or something. And people say, we'll go back and read it. I don't even know where those issues are. It was still water this week that came out, and I was like, I don't know what's, I don't remember who these people are or what. No, I don't know if it's because they went backwards in time. That's why. Yeah, and I figured that out pretty quick. I was like, okay, that's, but I, then I didn't remember who the people were. In oh yeah, no, I had the same problem. I was like, wait. Oh, that didn't come to me to like the second to last page. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So th- that was that same feeling though, and that wasn't even that long ago. Jupiter's Legacy was years ago, yeah. <laughs> and it was pretty intricate, if I recall. It was. We even so, had trouble back then, but we did yeah. love it. I mean, legitimately love that book. Well, two different artists in two different time frames. You know, you know, between with thirty or forty years in between them. That's that's <laughs> that's, a, that's tough. Yeah. Uh huh. Hey, let's talk about Mac Weldon. It's been a little while. Let's I think since we've done that. Mm-hmm. We know right now it's about summertime. Summertime's coming. Yes, it is. Or if not here, I never know exactly what the summer date is. It's here early in terms of heat, that's for sure. It's about doing things out there in the world when it is warmer than it used to be. And let's say that you have sensitive skin. You're going to be worried about uh, what you, you want to be concerned about. The, the things that you're wearing taking care of you in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. But that's why Mac Weldon is fantastic. And it's why I don't like heat. I don't like the summer. Not into it. But I know that certain parts of myself mm-hmm. are going to be in good stead because of the Mack Weldon stuff I have. They had new essentials that came out during the spring. They have body mapping technology and fabric mesh zones. These stealth boxer briefs deliver enhanced breathability and support perfect for everyday wear or to be layered under workout gear. And if I might say so, I've tested this exact product under all of these conditions. You're an unofficial product tester for them. I am. I am. I have the stealth boxer briefs. I have, I have a set of those. I've been going to the gym for the first time in since before there was smartphones. Mm-hmm. At least oh, that wow. long. Oh. Yeah, no. And so I've been going. I've gone three times a week for about six weeks now. Five weeks. Whatever. The stealth boxer briefs are among my favorite thing to wear there. I also like the air knit for that because they keep you cool. Sure. They're really nice. They have like a bit of uh, compression to them which is really good uh, when you're doing those things and you have old man legs and they hurt. They're awesome. And you can wear them. Actually, one of the things it says, you could wear them under a swimsuit. I've done that too. And, and they're pretty great for that. If you have a swimsuit that happens mm-hmm. to be a little thin, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't have the integrated. Anyway, if you're, if you're a lounging part cooler in the night, there's the ace sweatpant or shorts. Yep. You can deal with it. We, we're, both, uh, we're both big fans of those. There are men's essentials. You can, it's your one-stop shop for socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, active shorts. There's a great comfort on all of them and a consistent fit. So you know if you're a medium or large in one thing, then you will be in the other thing too, which is, which is a concern. Uh, certainly if you're buying from the web. 
Yep. They look great. They feel great. They're good for all sorts of things, working out, going out, going on a date. And I, I like to say that previously we had said that line with a bit of a wink. Oh, yeah. A date. Go out, please. <laughs> that could be a real thing now. Yes. Now get, get back on it. You got to get, get back out there. You got to get your clothes to make you feel good when you're on your date. You know, yep. you know, you got, even if you're not expecting anybody to see your underwear, if you have some nice underwear on, it can, it can make you feel more confident. Oh, I do that all the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Today I got to do a thing. I was like, well, where's my best pair of underwear? Where are the socks I really love? Right. And, the, the, you know, that stuff is invariably my Mac Weldon stuff. Right. There uh, is a wide range of customized fabrics. We we're just talking about that. There's several types of underwear, for example, and different types of shirts and things like that for the things here. I love. It's one of my favorite things is specialized clothing that is yes. for uh, that's great for an activity. I'm a big fan of that. Some people always dress in workout wear, for example, where I live and probably in other places in all of Queens, and I don't. But I do like it for when I do the thing. There is Weldon Blue, their totally free loyalty program. Level one gets you free shipping for life. Once you reach level two by spending $200, you get 20% off every order for the next year. They want you to be comfortable. They guarantee it. So if you do not like your first pair of underwear, you can keep them. They will still refund you. No questions asked. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy. Enter promo code iFanboy. Again, MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy. Promo code iFanboy. 20% off your first order. They are reinventing men's basics. And thank goodness for it. Thank you, MacWeldon. Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology, Volume 2, Number 1. So we've got a new Number 1. I don't think I had realized that it was Volume 2, Number 1. I just thought, hey, another issue of this. Does Neil Gaiman have anything to do with it anymore? Yeah, it's the same exact setup as before. Well, because at a certain point, I think Rousseau just did the writing. No, no, it's, this is all based on, on the book he wrote. Well, okay, yeah, okay. He wrote the Norse Mythology book, and this is based on got that. Got it. You're right. This was great. And the thing is, like, I finished it, and I was like, that was great again. And I realized, well, yeah, because these are fucking great mythology stories. <laughs> like, there's a reason why they've survived for thousands of years. This was another really good story. It's interesting that, like, Norse mythology seems to be having a little moment. Sure. Well, because of Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, there's that. But then, you know, there was, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I was playing for what seemed like a thousand years, which is a lot of these things. And then there's this book. And it, it's all sort of related. But, you know, yes, it's Chris Hemsworth, but it also is just to do with, like, they like Norse mythologies. They were like, let's do Thor as a superhero, you know? And this is just one of those moments. It's, it's having that, and it's, it's fun. Norse mythology seems to have the most fun stories. There's obviously lots of death and destruction, and people's lives are ruined, but also they have a lot of drinking and sex. It's like the whole Wonder Woman storyline recently. Like, she had a great time yeah. hanging out with the Norse gods because they are less angsty than, than the Greek gods. Yeah, yeah. There's kind of humor. Mm-hmm. It's like the Grant Morrison of mythologies. Right. You know, like... Greek and Roman, you know, the Roman stuff is very dour. <laughs> right. The Greek stuff is all kind of like, you say you slept with your mom? Like, it, it's yeah. not, the Norse stuff is like, oh man, we went out there, we killed some weird shit happened, but it's cool. There were some dwarves. <laughs> so the god Kavasir, who is, the, I guess, tells, is the god of truth. I'm sorry, did you say Kavathier? Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, he's, he might yeah. as well be. Yeah, that's right. He could answer all questions. And he decides me, to wait. Let me write that down. He decides <laughs> to go out into the world across the Rainbow Bridge, and Odin's not sure that's a great idea. And it's not because he goes to Midgard and is immediately murdered for his blood, so that two, I guess, they're dwarves can make mead out of his blood, and anyone who drinks it gets the gift of poetry. And so they decide to keep it for themselves, and that leads to a whole escalating problems and dead giants, and more dead giants, and then giants getting revenge and crows and then odin shows up and <laughs> odin very cleverly kills a bunch of giants i just thought this was terrific and the art from matt horak on p craig russell's layouts was really appropriate to the story type it's clean it's classic doesn't do anything he doesn't need to do it tells a story and gets the job done and uh, odin has a magic whetstone that can sharpen your blade super strong just don't stand too close to each other when you've done that it was awesome yeah. That what happened with him and the and I guess they were slaves, but they were big old giant slaves, and he tricked them. I thought it was fun, really fun. It was really fun to read. Yeah. Totally was. Yeah. Did you read Compass Number One? No, I saw the book. I looked at it and said, "Greg Rucka presents." I was like, "Ooh, Greg Rucka sci-fi story." Then I saw it wasn't actually Greg Rucka, and I said, "I have too many other books this week." I will say that I saw that he didn't write it, but I saw that his name was on it, and that was interesting enough for me to do that. And it wasn't sci-fi. That was not the deal. It's um. The, okay, the Mongols in the 1200s, you know, ransacked everything, almost getting into Europe. Mm-hmm. When they were in the Middle East, um, I've read this history to a certain extent, but I forget most of the specific details of it. In the Middle East, they came upon this, it's the house of something. 
there was a very, very advanced academic society. Was a spaceship? And, no. No. And storehouse of knowledge. And it was very advanced. There were women there. And, the, you know, the, the Mongols show up and they destroy everything. And it basically ends this sort of timeline in history. Right. And this story is about a girl who escapes from there and makes her way up to England and finds her way to a, a monastery in Wales mm-hmm. where, you know, she meets up with some folks I'm not, I'm not even, I don't even remember exactly the details, but that's the setup. I didn't understand it for a little bit, but basically it's the coming together of these cultures. Mm-hmm. Islam, or they, they call them Mohammedans in here, which is, was a thing they'd use, mm-hmm. you know, and British, you know, middle-aged Christianity, church and power and Mongols. Right. And as far as I can tell, it's not a sci-fi element. It's just a historical, I mean, it's not real history. Mm-hmm. Parts sure. of it are. Historical fiction. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what to make of it yet, but by the end, I really enjoyed it because there were no zombies or spaceships. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. And Rucka tells this story. He's like, I met these guys on the internet. They're Australian. We had drinks one time. They had all these ideas. Some of them bad, but I really like this one. So I helped put it together. And uh, Justin Greenwood uh, is the artist. He did the last bit of Stumptown, mm. you know, and then he got his regular sort of crew and, and workers to help work on this thing. And I, I think he edits it or whatever, but it was fun. It was good. It was yeah. There was not a, a sci-fi twist. Mm-hmm. And the history behind it is really interesting. So let's jump into Hellfire Gala Corner, and we're almost to the end. And I was wrong. They are doing this whole situation at the party. So we're still at the party, just through various points of view. That's what all parties feel like to me. <laughs> various points of view. So you know, time keeps you know doubling back on itself. So there were three issues this week: New Mutants nineteen from Vita Ayala and Alex Linz. And that one was not not interesting to me. It was kind of like last week's. I don't remember which one, but I don't follow the book. I don't really know the characters. I don't really care about the relationships. So that one, I just was fine, but didn't really care. X-Corp number two from Teeny Howard and Alberto Facci. It took me half the issue to I remembered I had read X-Corp number one. I totally forgot I read X-Corp number one. And I was like, oh, this seems really familiar. And then I was like, oh, right, I read Ed number one. So it was slightly more interesting because I knew what was going on. It's about the business at the heart of the X-Men's culture that they're creating. So that was, there's a lot of business meetings in this one. And I, I'm not kidding. And then finally, Planet Size X-Men number one, which was the, the main draw, Gary Duggan and Pepe Larraz, who are a creative team on the new X-Men book. This was bonkers. And about halfway through, I thought it could be a pick of the week. And then it went in a direction I don't care about. But the first half of the book is the X-Men using their various powers to terraform Mars. Magneto gets a bunch of iron from space and it creates a molten iron core. And there's a mutant who has entire ocean ecosystems in his blood. And so they spill his blood. He creates oceans and Iceman creates polar ice caps. And there's another mutant who can turn the, the land into tillable soils. So they're basically, they're basically recreating Earth on Mars. And I thought, that's cool. And it was a lot of hard science. And Gary Duggan, you know, keeps the humor in it, keeps it light. And then and I thought, wow, they're going to go from Krakoa to they're just going to make their own planet. That's interesting. And then... I realized it was not for them. It was for these Araco aliens from the spacey bits that we really just did not like in House of X, mm. Ten of Swords, or whatever that was. So once that happened, I was like, ah, never mind. Now for the first half, I was like, this is cool. This is like hard science mutant stuff. We're, we're just going to dive into these powers and make a planet. And I thought that was really fun. And then it went haywire. But for a while, I was really into it. Fair enough. It was fun to see them sort of come together and slowly build a planet. Storm created the atmosphere and all the, all this stuff. I don't know if that falls within the purview of her powers, but it's comic books. Who well, she created shit? the weather in the atmosphere. Yeah. Because the iron, molten iron core will help create the atmosphere. Listen, I'm not Dr. Ryan Haupt. I don't know how accurate this was, but it was fun to read. So that's all that matters. Listen, he can't know about everything. He can act like he knows about everything. <laughs> Maybe he does. And that's what makes him dangerous. Yeah, no, also it makes us resent him. <laughs> so there's... Uh, Let's not... Never forget the resentment, Connor. That's sure. key. He's also way younger than we are, so that's the, that's the base of the resentment. One, two... There's four more issues. Nope, five more issues of the Met Gala, or the Mutant Gala. Hellfire Gala. One of those gals. Speaking of things with a lot of issues left, <laughs> uh, let's talk really, let's go to Star Wars Corner really quickly. We're going to talk about Star Wars number 14. I'm giving you the wrong number. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 20 or so issues of this left through October. Oh, we're talking, we're still, this is the uh, War of the Bounty oh, yeah, Hunters. Oh, yeah, we're, oh, any Star Wars book I talk about is going to be War of the Bounty Hunters. From now until eternity. Yeah, until I, uh, yeah. <laughs> until until sun I'm burns old. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I will never care for you. <laughs> My favorite Willie Nelson song. 
War of the Bounty Hunters continued. This is the regular Star Wars book. And for some reason, I was like, I'll read it. Mm -hmm. Because there are several of them I don't. And I actually really enjoyed this issue. Whereas the other issues have been all of these lower tier characters, Bounty Hunters and other people that they've made up that are hunting to find a Han Solo and Carbonite and chase it around. And, and basically all this is, as we talked about it, is you know what happens in between the time that Boba Fett leaves Bespin and they show up at Jabba's palace. So that's, in, that's, in between that time, there's an entire war of the bounty hunters who are after Han Solo. Is that what you're saying? Well, Boba Fett loses him. Oh, Jesus. Then he starts to melt, and then they fix that, but then one of the other crime syndicates has him. And as we enter this story, we are with the Alliance. They're on the Millennium Falcon with mm-hmm. um, Luke is there, and Leia, and then Lobot and Lando are with them, yep. with Chewie and C-3PO. Mm-hmm. Because there had been a story where they had to get a robot. Doesn't matter. And they find out that the, I think it's the Black Sun, uh, one of the criminal things. That sounds that they, right. Black Sun sounds right. As, as putting Han Solo's carbonite frozen body up for auction. Mm-hmm. And all the criminals are going somewhere to do it. And, you know, they need Lando to help them, but nobody trusts Lando for good reason. Mm-hmm. But they're going to go try to get him. And, and I, you know, this worked. This part of it worked because there is a story in the middle there that could be told and deserves telling. I don't know that we're, you know, if you don't think about it, I don't think about it as canon, but I say, well, what about, what if this happened? And I'm okay with that. Right. And I think, you know, the places that Leia is here are interesting and, and how Luke interacts with them. And, and one of the interesting parts is that, you know, Lando Calrissian has not gone full good here. He's still very self-interested. They're like, we're going to do this. And he's like, well, yeah, we're going to make a little money on the way though. And you're like, Oh, he is a scoundrel. <laughs> and that's kind of fun. And it was well drawn. Yep. I really like Millennium Falcon space battle stuff. Uh, it was fun. I, again, I'm not reading every issue of this. And I well, that's what I was going to ask you. How much of it are you reading? I skipped the series that I don't normally read. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I, I mean, I have been reading the main book, you know, Star Wars, and I have been reading Darth Vader. Other than that, I don't really read any of it. But if for some reason along the way I look at one of the issues and it has something interesting about it, I might pick it up. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if somebody great is doing Boosh number one, sure. Let's see what happens. IG-88 number one is the last issue slated here in October. You'll read that one. Probably. It's very likely. Unless it's like Chuck Austin writing it. (laughs) So those are the books we're going to talk about. But at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. And every patron can vote to do so. And this week's winner, it was a horse race between this book and Supergirl. And the winner was Static Season 1 number one from Vita Ayala. There's, again, art by Chris Cross. Uh, although the finishes and the colors are Nicholas Draper Ivy and the letters are by And World Design. And this is uh, the first issue from the Milestone Returns line of books. They had a, a Milestone Zero issue a couple of weeks ago that sort of set up all the books. I had not realized that John Paul Leone drew the original one. Yes, yes. That's that, refresh, that, that refresh made it, it up in extra, Milestone. Yeah. extra sad for me. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's awful. And so I'm very curious because I did read that Zero issue, which set this whole mm-hmm. book up. And it seemed like a lot of important things happened in that zero issue related to this one. I can see that. So I'm very curious what Josh thought, having not read that zero issue. I've never read a static comic. I didn't read the Milestone books when I was a kid. Maybe one or two. I wasn't reading when they came out. It was the 90s. I got out right before, the first time right before, or the only time. I got out right before like the image boom. Mm-hmm. So like, like basically I stopped reading comics around the time that all that X-Men stuff, the guys who became Image was starting to become a thing. It was right after McFarlane left Spider-Man. I wouldn't say I was around another six months. And so everything that happened after that. Milestone Books premiered in 93. That was, you know, the middle of high school. I was eighth grade when I stopped reading, I think. Maybe it was uh, not a time where I was really branching out into books. You know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be until like college where I'd, you know, move into Sin City and other things. If this had come out, you know, five years later, different story perhaps. But at 93, I wasn't really looking to branch out. But, you know, Milestone was a huge deal. It had a, the, the number of people and names that came out of Milestone. You know, it was Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cowan, M.D. Bright. They all started it. But, you know, like you said, John Paul Leone and Sean Martinborough and Tommy Lee Edwards, who we just talked about earlier, J.H. Williams III, Humberto Ramos, Jamal Eigel. All those guys, you know, came out of Milestone. Anyway, it was not on my radar in 93. So... I'd never read a Static book before, although I guess I read the, that one issue when they when they did they did Static for the New Fifty Two, so I read that one issue. So, Josh, you tell me what you thought, because again, I, I I read the 
prelude bit. I was kind of confused at the beginning because it felt like they just threw us in. Mm-hmm. I think I figured it out, but I had to do a lot of going back and forth. Yes. And I did think it was weird. I was like, why aren't you showing me all this stuff that you're talking <laughs> about that happened? But I wasn't lost in the sense that when I figured out, you know, like, I get it. Like, you mm-hmm. got in a fight with this person. They were at some event. Something happened. Everybody got powers, not unlike what happened in the Inhumans book. Mm-hmm. And then he got in a fight with somebody. And then he had powers and he zapped the shit out of him. And then in this, that guy comes back to his house and he's all flamey. And mm-hmm. he, you know, gets in a fight with him. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. I think that it could have done a better job being clear about those things. I think this book time jumped too much for its own good. I don't know that there was any value to that. I think the lots of books like are doing that. I think that the decision to do the prelude was a strange one. I get the reason to do it in general, to sort of reintroduce people to the characters is a good one. But then to make it so important to this particular issue was strange because a lot of people aren't going to have read that prelude right. issue. Make number one a number one issue. Yeah. The zero issue, the prelude issue, is usually supposed to be the extra, the thing right. that happens before the thing. But it seems to me in this that this was the thing. Yeah. And that is asking a lot. Don't call it a number one issue if you need to read something before it. Yeah. But that's editing. Yeah. That's, you know, scheduling and publishing and whatever. I got there. It was a Black Lives Matter protest, and the cops gassed them with this experimental gas from this company. Turns out the gas gave a bunch of people powers, including Static and his bully, uh, Francis. 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 I don't know, Francis. Why don't you make me? <laughs> so. <laughs> Francis chews black gum. It comes out of his mouth as he oh, laughs. God, I want to watch that so bad. Then you get sort of, you know, your, your sort of standard high school stuff. You know, he's got a crush on a girl. And, you know, he's got powers. He's struggling with that. He's struggling with having a bully who's like becoming his supervillain. And his family's involved. And his dad wants to basically lean into it and learn, like, self-defense. And, and his mom doesn't like it. You know, it was all fine. There was one panel. It's page 11 on your digital reader. Where, what is Static's real name? I'm just going to keep calling him Static. His hand is gigantic. He's giving a peace sign as he walks away, and his hand is twice as big as it should be. Maybe he has big hands. <laughs> like, like, no, if he touched his face, he could wrap his fingers into the top of his head. Mm-hmm. Your hand is as big as your face is, like from your chin. Maybe to... it's a little, maybe some perspective, some foreshortening. No, it's just a bad drawing, but that's okay. Did Chris Cross's art used to look like this? No. Or is it, it's produced very differently, right? I haven't seen him in a while. I haven't thought of his name in a bit. But uh. No, and also it's, I mean, it's finishes by Nicholas Draper Ivy as well as colors. I liked the art. It's a little overprocessed at times, yeah. but that's just the style. I think that he did a good job of making the people look like real people. They made mm-hmm. the teenagers dress like yeah. they dress. They look like teenagers, not just little yeah, adults. Yeah, so I liked that bit. I could tell who everybody was. People looked different enough from one another. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, sometimes hard to do, but there's a lot of you know good work with, with hair and expressions, and, and there's all sorts of different types of people. So that works. I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. I think that it didn't speak to me all that much, but I also don't think that I am the audience. Again, like never really read the comic, never watched the cartoon. You know, Static mm-hmm. is not someone I have any kind of emotional resonance for. So then I've got to get it out of the book, and the book was fine. I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. Yeah, I think that there's, I mean, there's a thing that happens that if they're trying to write in the language of people who are much younger than us, we are going to start to have a real hard time to understand it at a certain point. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not even, it's just... The, oh, yeah, you know, Chris Cross is layouts. That's, it says in the back, because yeah. in the beginning it says art by Chris Cross, but it's layouts. So he, he just read the layouts. It doesn't really look like Chris Cross, to be honest. I don't know what it is that stands out about this other than it's kind of a Spider-Man story. Yeah. But I don't know if it's bringing anything else to the table yet. It might. I think it's well done. I think I've read other Vidaiala books and I did not like them. I thought this was fairly competent. Mm-hmm. I think the characters were defined. I didn't love it, though. It was fine. It was fine. That's my reaction at the end of everything. That was fine. Yeah. I was reading it anyway without the Patreon pick because I was curious just to see. Because, again, having read the Prairie Little Scary, I'll check out all the number ones just because I never read them in the first place. And you I, know, I have a feeling that, that Static was very, I know, it was very groundbreaking and very important to a lot of people when it came out. Mm-hmm. And I say a lot of people because I was not reading then. At this point, it's almost 30 years ago. Yeah, and so seeing that representation was really important and it was speaking in a voice that hadn't been, but we, you know, we've mm-hmm. seen a lot of that since then. And so making this stand out in a way that is bringing something different than what a lot of other books are doing. I don't know. It, uh, 
I don't. I, I, I'm struggling with whether or not I want to read a second issue. I guess we'll get to the ratings part now. Ratings, ratings, out of five stars. I think I'm going to give this a three out of five, and I'm unsure. Also, Static is a YouTuber. I forgot about that part. And as much as I hate that, that is, yeah. I mean, that's what they would do. <laughs> it's, it's like that's what that's all they care about now. I know. So I don't know. I'm not sure. I didn't dislike it. Didn't love it. Kind of curious. I think whether or not I read issue two will be dependent on the week it comes out and how many other books I have. Three and a quarter stars. I will probably read the next issue. I think it may need to write itself and figure out what it is that it wants to say Mm -hmm. that is interesting other than just trying to make a thing happen that already happened that was hugely influential and important. Mm -hmm. But they're going to try to keep that. Like I wanted to have heft. I wanted to give me something that I don't see in other books right now. And, you know, there's a lot of diversity, inclusiveness, and a lot of these issues are being discussed in a lot of comics. So what is this one going to do mm-hmm. to make it stand out? That's what I'm, and, and it might. It's, it's, a, it's a hard job. That's right. a tough call, you know, but they're invested. They're into it. I want to hear what it is they have to say. So we'll see if they get there. I'll, I'll give it another one. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go add a book to the rundown. I'm going to real quickly go through this because we're running long. That's how people support the show mainly. They unlock the shows if you listen to. The talk explodes, the book explodes, the media explodes, the YouTube content. They do all that. We do appreciate that their support, and we hopefully they get some value out of that support in terms of the communities they get and the hangouts they get to go to. And we, we thank everyone who's a, who's a patron. Ifabot.threadless.com is our t-shirt store. Ifabot.com slash support is our PayPal tip jar. And Ifabot.com slash Amazon is where you can buy some books that we talk about and do other things. And we do appreciate everybody who supports the show including those patrons who give it the $5 or higher level because those people get their superpower live on the show whether or not we prepare for it. Would you like to switch while uh, I am prepared for Seth Johnson is our first patient we're going to thank. And Seth Johnson can zap any animal with his power. And you know how like a pony is like, what would you say? Is it a quarter size horse? I think a quarter is a bit low. I would Half say two thirds, two thirds horse, two thirds. Yeah, he can zap any animal and turn it into two thirds size <laughs> of what it is. I tell you, with a dog on a car trip, that could be useful. Pony eyes any animal. <laughs> I bet there's a listener out there that knows the real. Yeah, I mean, he's like, well, a donkey's more like a three quarter thing, <laughs> and uh, ponies, I want to go say three fifths. Well, whatever it is, that's what he does to any animal. So if your animal's already small, he just makes it even smaller. All right. Zap. It helps with circus transport costs, if nothing else. Or anything, really. Khalid Malasi is the authenticator. Ooh. Can tell you if anything is real or fake. Is is this document official? Is this poster officially of this era? Are you in my head? Because I'm right now reading a book about a master forger. And so I've been thinking about that all the time now. Well, you might have noticed I sent you... An audiobook yes. by James Swanson, uh-huh. who wrote one of my favorite books, Manhunt, The 12 yeah. Day Chase for Lincoln's Killer. And this is sort of a little autobio and a little background on that. And he, after he got out of college with a history degree and then law school or whatever, he went to work for the greatest, like the most well known authenticator of sort of like historical artifacts. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, no, come work for me. You'll learn a lot. And so like, you know, when he was looking for original wanted posters from there, like he could find them and, and figure if they were. But, you know, there's that. There's fake shoes. You know, there's all sorts of things. Oh, everything's counterfeit. I'm just saying I'm, I'm literally reading a book about a master forger right now. So I'm constantly mm-hmm. looking at things going, hmm, that's probably fake. I would like to know if my olive oil is real. And well, that's, Khalid could help me with that. I've read articles about that. and I, I know certain brands. And I, I, just heard, I seek those out because I'm like, yeah. well, at least I, I've read those are real. Yeah. Not peanut oil or whatever it is. Yeah, apparently, apparently the mafia in Italy yeah. is just flooding us with fake olive oil. Yep, because we are savages. Sixty minutes did a whole story about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the authenticator, James Decker. <laughs> I had a related power, but I'm not going to do that now. Sorry, you can. I don't, no one's going to hold that against you. Okay, well then, then Khalid and James might be. We might have a superhero, supervillain thing going on here because James can forge any signature. What? Perfectly. Can we talk about how the signature is the worst authentication in the history? Like, what does it mean? Even signatures that we've never seen, that we don't know what they look like. Do you know that you can buy on eBay 
and this would be this so would be James this would be the villain and Khalid's the hero in this scenario. Right. So it, this would be their their thing. You can buy on eBay. They have taken documents supposedly that Lincoln wrote, uh-huh. and they just cut letters or words out of them, and you can buy one of those. But First of all, I don't. Believe I can't those imagine are real. most of those aren't fake. Yeah. Absolutely. So you got Khalid calling those out. Like, don't get that one. Well, James can only do the signature. He can't do the writing. Oh, only right. the sign. Well, only the only the. Signature. Think about what a Lincoln signature would go for. Exactly a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. We inadvertently set up our first hero, not our first probably, but a hero villain scenario. I like that. Yeah, a nemesis situation. Mm-hmm. Casey Lemke yeah. can be camouflaged or disguised like surrounding objects as long as they stay still. Like a chameleon. Yeah, like, they, like they the just lizard. stop moving and all of a sudden, like if, if there's a bunch of cacti. Sure. Just another cactus. Wait, is it anytime they stop moving or they have to activate it? They have to activate it, but they also have to stop moving. So, like, if you're disguised as, like, a vase mm-hmm. and you sneeze. <laughs> or you're, you think like, there's just a brick wall behind you and you hear a sneeze and suddenly Casey's standing there. Yes. Like, what? Yeah. But I, I, in my mind, I'm seeing it as there has to be, like, a group of objects. Sure. You know, trees, things like that. What Lamps. if the objects are moving? No. I see. Stationary no, object. No, hard no. Stationary object has to stop moving. All right. And there's no sound. Just in case you were curious if there was a bloop or something, <laughs> there's not. It's just it's it just, just happens. instant. Yep. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. Support the show. Give the $5 heart level. Get your own power live on the show. Thanks to Seth, Khalid, James, and Casey. Let's do an email. While we're doing an email, huh? Let's not do an email. I'm looking at the time. We're already long. We'll save this email. This is a good email. We'll save it for another show. Awesome. Uh, contact at ifanboy.com is where you can write us in. And for this show, for the Media Explode show, if it's for the Media Explode show, please put in the title of the email or the subject line. And uh, we thank you. I don't know why we went long. I don't know what happened. Got into it. I blame myself. Let's plug some upcoming shows and get out of here. So there in the feed, if you go back on the feed, uh, you can find a Talksplode that I did with writer-creator Tom Scholey, largely about his book, Jack Kirby, Epic Life, The King of Comics, which he wrote and drew. And we did a book explode on it. You can check that out, which is fantastic. There is a book explode that we just released this week. I would say anticipated, long anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Connor and I read and talked about Injustice, Gods Among Us, Year One, the complete collection by Tom Taylor and a, a coterie of artists that, <laughs> that we we really didn't have a chance to get into. There were a so small many. army of artists. Yeah, this sort of elseworldly type story about Superman becoming dictator of Earth and, and a Batman. Of artists. Yeah. <laughs> Company. Uh, battalion. Yeah. I've been watching Band of Brothers again. Yeah. Connor and I talked about the book. Good discussion, yeah. I thought. Yep. So that's there. Other things are coming soon. Yes, there's a lot of shows coming, actually. This week, you should get a media, our media explode for June. Don't know what we're talking about. It's, one, it's 24 hours before recording time, and we haven't figured that out yet. I'm going to do that later today and then after that maybe a week later you can get batman the long halloween part one which is the next animated original movie from dc the animated brain trust will get together also need to talk to them about getting together so we haven't done that yet and then later in the month at some point you'll get a talk explode for july as we move into july so in july you'll get a talk explode from some unknown subject matter and then in august you'll have our next book explode which is true believer the rise and fall of stanley by abraham reisman is our first prose book explode so this gives you about a month and a half to read a prose book. And don't worry, we're not going to make a habit of that. No, and it's a fast <laughs> read, and it probably won't be in the beginning of the month. But anyway, the shows are evergreen. You can just wait and listen to it later. Yeah. So those are the shows coming up. Media Explode, uh, Animated Brain Trust Show, Talk Explode, Book Explode. Those are all coming up in the next two months. Get over to iFanboy.com. You can find all of our shows. Those things that we were just talking about, there are hundreds of them there. And many of them are even worth listening to. And all sorts of writing that had been done over the years by our talented writing, sometimes for free, sometimes paid. It was a wild time back then. You can like Facebook.com slash iFanboy or follow at iFanboy on Twitter or at iFanboyComics on Instagram. We tried to get iFanboy on Instagram, but can't if you know someone. <laughs> you know, you can find us individually at C.S. Kilpatrick and at J.A. Flanagan over on Instagram. That's the only place that we are left on social media. Mm-hmm. And you can subscribe to our YouTube page by going to youtube.com slash ifanboy. So what is going to happen is you're going to hit command L. You're going to type that into the field. And then I believe you need to smash some sort of button. <laughs> as I understand. I don't even know where the button is. One of the things, it's a like button. It's under there. You got to smash the like. Well, Here's yeah. the thing. I don't think we open any shows with, hey guys, 
But so they might kick us off YouTube if they figure that out. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think we did either. We are uploading old video shows that we did long ago, but uh, many or many, again, still relevant, maybe the even worth watching. The full-length shows are from 2009 at this point. Okay. And the minis are still from 2008, because all the minis are 2008, but the full-length is 2009. So the mini this week is the book of the month, Alan Moore's Complete Wildcats. That's me. Yes, it is. We talked about autobiographical comics, still a favorite is a genre. Sure. Sure. And an Astro City show. Welcome to Astro City, a much-beloved series. That was our gush fest. Yeah, it's totally gush fest. And it has been every time we've ever talked about it. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's still going to be the same. Those comics, by the way, absolutely still worth reading. Just oh, yeah. Timeless, timeless. Timeless, timeless. If you like the show, please uh, consider leaving a review or a star rating on Apple Podcasts or any aggregator you use to listen to your podcast, wherever you get your podcast. That's how the show gets help. People help people find the show. The algorithm takes all that stuff into consideration. We do appreciate that. Connor, do you even know what an algorithm is? I vaguely understand it. <laughs> All podcasts you listen to, not just this one. It would really it helps them if you leave a review or star rating, and uh, they would appreciate that as well. Even better than that is word of mouth. Tell your friends, your mom, your kids. Start them young when you're singing them to sleep. Just start getting the message into their heads. I would just put. I'd say that when you put your. I'd say not until six months, but after six months, I would just play a constant stream of WTF in their bedrooms at night. And then by the time they're like five, they're like, "Mark has really matured." <laughs> so. Just subliminally get them in there, and we appreciate everyone who does that. And uh, thank you. And that's it for this week's show. Hey, guys. Every YouTuber starts every single thing with, hey, guys. I know. And then we have to listen in the background to the YouTubers that my kids are listening to. Every once in a while, someone will say something horrible and we'll go, shut it off. <laughs> shut it off. Is it still Minecraft YouTube, or has it been moved on to new new YouTube? It's I, I don't even know anymore. Sometimes the different gamers, one of them is obsessed with watching this girl. Oh, you know, boy. Oh, boy. You know, at one point, we just heard somebody say, like, oh, that's so gay. And we're like, nope, you don't get to watch that one anymore. <laughs> just and, 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 you know, the kids are like, why? And it's like, nope, they're assholes. That's why. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Welcome to this extra special glimpse into Josh's life. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. <laughs> the sun is filled with ice and gives no warmth at all.